What up, people? Yes, we are back for another week. We got episode 19 of Echoes from the Void coming right at you. So, you know, like to start with a little bit of music now, get you in the mood for what's coming along. So, you know, it's been a busy ass week, man. Just running around doing things. Yeah, there's just there's so much happening right now, which is um yeah, it's definitely cool. It's definitely cool. You sometimes you know, you need a moment to put things into perspective. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's like it, it, it's good to have conversations with your friends and stuff like that. Because you know, they help. It, like it helps like clarify what the fuck you're doing, man. But um yeah, you know, as we do, we um hey, it's looking at the news, seeing what's out there, seeing what other crazy shit's happening around the world, you know. So we're gonna drop some stuff on you. But it's all about these conversations, about helping, about shit like that. So um yeah, you know, I think we've got another fun episode. For you And the great thing people We have this But um A bit later We're gonna drop Something else So two podcasts in one day What? Yeah So tonight Well today Because it's the uh, You know It's the official launch Of the 62nd London Film Festival So We're dropping on you tonight A little echo chamber business So You know If you subscribe To this podcast Which you Pretty well damn well should man Like what are you doing if you're not Huh Ask yourself that question people But if you're subscribing, it will come straight to your device. If not, you know, just keep an eye out. We're going to be dropping some more goodness on you. All right. So let's get into the crazy ass news. So I saw um, in the news that. Um, a Chicago police officer has been convicted of the killing of Laquan McDonald. Now, this happened four years ago, um, but the case has just, you know, finally been um, sorted out. So, Jason Van Dyke. He shot this teenage kid, Laquan McDonald, 16 times. 16 times, man. Which is insane. And, the, the like, he's on the floor when most of those shots are going into the kid. On the floor, which is like... What the hell is going on? You know? So, 
like it's it's nearly been four years to the day there's this like happened on the 20th of october 2014 um now the thing was so for some reason um laquan was in the road with a knife so he's walking up the road with a knife and like it wasn't like it wasn't even it wasn't a huge knife anything like that um you know it it, it was just this kind of um I don't know, it was like this really short kind of knife and I think he, he it had been reported that he was slashing tyres. So the police came and um, they're uh, like at a kind of, sta- so there's kind of a standoff, you know, Um and then van when van dyke arrived he got out of his car and basically just started shooting so there's already police there and they're like you know yeah we're not going to you know we're not doing anything and you know this dude who wasn't so he already sees police are there. There's, you know, the kid isn't approaching him, anything like that. And then, like, you know, so it says like six seconds after he got out of his car, he um, opened fire, which is just, yeah ridiculous you know like it was a you know it was a three inch blade so it's not a huge machete or anything it's like a dibby little knife now don't get me wrong shouldn't have been he shouldn't have had the knife shouldn't have been slashing tires but in there was no real reason to open fire on him like no real reason at all and um yeah like this all came about from you know basically it's the whole dash cam footage was found and um yeah they 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 kind of realized that van dyke is a liar <laughs> because you know he's basically saying that he felt threatened for his life he said he felt threatened for his life and if Laquan had dropped the knife he wouldn't have opened fire but and he said the kid wasn't advancing on him that that was the ridiculous thing and he opened fire straight away so he's saying that oh you know I, I, he was advancing on me 
with the knife. It, like he had no expression on his face, and his eyes were bugging out. It's just like how you're saying that you you saw all of this in six, the six seconds that it, that it took for you to get your gun out and shoot. It's it's a it's a crazy situation. Um. Yeah, it's 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 just. Yeah, it's insane. It's you know, um, but the thing is, so he's he's been found guilty, but like he he was on on trial for first degree murder. But he's been found guilty of second degree murder. Which means, like, you know, he, like, he, he faces a minimum of six years to a maximum of 15 years in prison. With possibility of probation. So. You know. Like 15 years. For. That sort of shooting. Just seems. A little crazy. But it's like. You know. Like what. How would you. Break this down really Because you know First degree murder Is described as Any intentional murder That is willful And premeditated With malice A a forethought A forethought Yeah with malice a forethought Felony murder, a charge that may be filed against a defendant who is involved in a dangerous crime where a death is a result from the crime is typically first degree. So, I mean, with this situation, it is very easy to go, yeah, like first degree is definitely something that you could, you know, you could say it was. But, like, secondary murder is said to be any intentional murder without premeditation, but with malice aforethought. So, hmm, it is, like, it's a tricky one, but, I mean... It's hard to say Like there was no premeditation When the shots were fired so quickly You know Like I think Because he basically got out of the car And then shot So it's a kind of You you kind of get the sense That he's driving thinking Fuck it I'm going to shoot this motherfucker like, he's going to die, you know what I mean? Because it's just like, otherwise you don't get out your car and then just start shooting. Right? I don't even know. But, you know, 
the good thing is that he was found guilty. I mean, that is the main thing. It is. It's sad. It took so frigging long for this to work itself out. That's you know, that's some crazy shit. But yeah, I it, 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 it's good that it, it you know it, it's finally. You know, finally being um, sorted. But, yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Some crazy ass shit. But, yeah, hopefully, 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 you know, the police in America can just get rid of all the bad eggs. Because this is the thing. It's not all the police. It's only a small fraction of the police doing the kind of shit like this. But we only ever hear about the assholes. That's the thing. It's you never hear about the decent cops just doing, you know, the day to day grind, man. But it just takes an asshole like this. To really tarnish the name of everyone. So yeah, hope, you know, it'd be good just to get rid of all of these bad eggs, all of these assholes. But whew, there's assholes in everything that you do, man. So, you know, chances are shit ain't gonna change. But you know. It starts a conversation, so we'll, we'll see. We will see what happens, right? So, um, some of the big news this weekend was the the the, the start of the new Doctor Who series. So we're on series eleven, and one of the big things about this new Doctor Who, which most everyone knows and I believe we've spoken about it on the podcast is that the new doctor is a woman um it it she is played by um Jodie Whittaker and um yeah so the first time in 55 years to do doctor is a woman and Everything about this new series is so forced. See, I think this is my issue. Well, my issue is, my main issue is, it's just repurposing characters, you know? It's like, there's always talk about, oh, there should be a black James Bond you know, that was the talk for ages. You know, oh, they're changing James Bond. Maybe Idris Elba could be James Bond. Oh, I've heard, you know, oh, yeah, Craig is going to leave. Maybe Idris Elba could be James Bond now. And there was even talk at a point, small talk, but there's a little talk about a female James Bond. You know, like um, recently there's been the talk about um, Cavalli stepping down as Superman. And straight away you were hearing, oh, this could be the first the time for a black Superman. And it's just seriously, people. 
do you not understand what you are doing here? You're not creating anything. You're not adding diversity. All you are doing is repurposing a character. You're basically saying, right, there's no point creating a new character, you know, for women or a new character for, you know, uh, the black population, the Indian population, the Asian population. We'll just repurpose one. That's all we need to do. They won't mind. It's like, come on. Look, if I want to watch something, if I want a new, you know, a black character, I want a new character. I don't want a repurposed character. I want a new identity, something fresh. Don't just, you know, throw some paint on something and go, there you go, brand new, shiny, be pleased, you know, be grateful now. So shut up moaning. You know, I, no, I want something fresh. I want something new. That's why in um, the, 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 the series with um, Matt Smith, um, when you had uh, River Song, that was incredible. River Song was fa- a fantastic character, you know, and yeah, you have you hadn't seen that before, you know, it was something fresh, it was something new, it was a character that was just as strong as the, as the Doctor, you know, Alex Kingston is a fantastic, fantastic actress, and River, you know, it, it was shown that River was a, a solid character. Like, I, there was a, I think there was one episode that focused mainly on her, and the reviews of that episode were um, incredible. Everyone loved it because the character was strong. There was depth to the character. You know, it was a new character, but the character had legs, and that's what you want. You want that. Characters with legs, like Amy Pond, when you had her, you know, Karen Gillan as um, the companion. Everyone loved Amy Pond because there was so much depth to the character. It was shown that, you know, she could survive on her own. She wasn't infatuated with the Doctor. She wasn't in love with the Doctor. She was just a strong female character. And this is the thing. Look, create new characters. That's what people really want. New, fresh, exciting characters. They don't want repurposed bullshit. You know what I mean? And you think... There was the Sarah Jane Chronicles that everyone loved. Loads of people watched. Loads of people tuned into that. So that was another Doctor Who spin-off, but a strong female character. And this is the thing. So there's all this talk about, oh, it's a female. Oh, it's great. It's great. It's not, though. 
You're just repurposing. You're just basically saying people were too dumb to realise. They don't care. And the worst thing about it all, it wasn't just a case of people seeing actors. You know, you're having your auditions. So this is the thing a lot of the times as well. Look, you hear that, oh, thing is playing the role. And people are like, oh, my God. That's different. They're like, well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, we had uh, Thingy come in to audition for this role. And when they were in the room, we realised, what are we doing? This need, they need to be the main person. It's it. Like, when it's done like that, you go, fair enough, man, because you are choosing the best talent. You're not giving a shit about ethnicity, gender, age, you you were just looking for talent, you were looking for people who could really project something, you found it and you made that decision, you're like, right, that's, that's who we got to have, but a lot of times it's by numbers, you know, it's the quota system and that's what this new season of Doctor Who is just quotas, you know, I, I was reading this article and, yeah, it basically let it out that, yeah, it was a condition, you know. Um, let me uh, find. Yes, so, um, yeah, despite that Whitaker is the first female doctor in the show's 55-year history, as Stevens said... And that is Matt Stevens, the executive producer of Doctor Who. So it says, as Stevens said, that decision was motivated in part by a demand from the new showrunner, Chris Chibnall. That's what Chris wanted. That was part of his conditions of doing the job. Like, what is that? It's not, you know, it should have been, listen... I want to make the best Doctor Who going. So I want to ensure that there's a, a certain budget in place that I'm allowed to bring people on who fit the role. Because that's what I want. You know, I don't want to just bring in a big name. Look, if someone who's a smaller, you know, not as known, you know, if I feel they're the best Doctor, then that's who I'm casting. Cool? Cool. All right, let's go. You know, if it was that, boom, fine. But this is it. It's like, look, I am not taking this job unless you give me a female doctor. Because he knows what the deal is. He knows that having a female doctor is going to bring so much publicity. He's going to be heralded as the man that ushered in a new age. Whoop-de-doo, motherfucker. You know what I mean? It's weak. It's just ridiculous. And it goes even further than that. That's the thing. It's just like everything is quotas. Like, so with this new series, you've also got three um, companions who will be working and traveling with the doctor. But that 
isn't an accident. That was something that, you know, they decided because they wanted to make sure they had someone for everyone. That's how weak that they are. They're like, all right, okay, so let's have a black person, we'll have an Asian person, and we'll have an older person. Yes. So we've got two young people, one black, one Asian, then another guy who's in his 50s, so then all the older generation will tune in because oh, there's going to be a character that they can look up to. And, oh, and then we've got the female doctor, so we're going to bring in these audience. It's just like people really aren't that stupid. You know what I mean? They're like, if you write a good character, you've written a good character, people aren't going to go, yeah, I mean, the character's good and all, but they're not Asian. I only want to see Asian people on TV. So, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. I was like, I would tune in and watch it. Because I do love Doctor Who. But everyone's too young. I need an older person to for me to understand what's happening. No, people don't do that. And, alright, let me, let me rephrase. Yes, of course, some people do that. But the... The general majority do not do that. You can hold... Sur- like, holding surveys doesn't mean shit. Because there's only a certain type of person that will fill in a survey. So you are finding... Like, the people... Who you want to give you that right answer. Because they're the ones that are filling in the surveys. So a survey results doesn't mean anything... What you are doing is basically like casting your net to the lowest denominator. You are saying the audience are dumb, so we are creating this series and covering every single base, giving lip service to every single person, because that's all we've got. You know, we don't have the ability to write interesting, vibrant, gauging stories. We can't do that. So we got to do this. It just, yeah, it just stinks. It really stinks. And then you, like, you make a big point of making one of the characters dyspraxic. So again, you're like, all right, we've got black, we've got Asian, we've got women, we've got older. We need disabled. We need disabled. What can we do? Probably a wheelchair is probably a bit too cumbersome for some of the adventures. I'm not sure blind would work. Oh, what can we? Yes, let's give them dyspraxic. That perfect. Perfect. We'll mention it every now and again. You know, oh, and we could have the person go, oh, I went left instead of right. Oh, yeah, we'll throw that in. But, yeah, we don't have to do anything too crazy. Perfect. Then we get all the disabled lot watching the show. I really expected it better than this. 
you know, after Matt, like Gators, he's who was fantastic. Is is thoroughly enjoyable, intelligent writing. But ever since like Matt Smith, Kieran Gillen, you know, once they left, you really notice a decline. And this just seems to further kind of express that. So I, I can't watch programs that treat the viewers like they're ridiculous, like they're stupid. I don't want a state of TV and film where we're doing things by quota. I'm all about, let look, we don't want barriers. People should be able to audition. People should be able to reach. People should be able to go for roles, whatever. That is what we want. But we cannot do things by numbers, do things by quota. It's ridiculous. It just sucks everything out of a show, of a film, of a program, of anything. You know, the creativity is gone. Now it's just... It's just ridiculous, people. I don't know what anyone else thinks. If you if you have something to say on this, if you think I'm an ass, if you think I'm wrong, drop us a line. You know what I mean? Leave a comment. Leave a voice message. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't know. This is how I feel about this. So yeah, if you, if you wanna, if you wanna, you know what I mean? Throw your hat in the ring. Hey, feel free, man. Let us know. All right. It's funny because you know. So we just talked about the change in Doctor Who and how, you know, basically it was dictated the character would become female. Um, And look, it's not the first character which that has been done with. And there's always talk about other big known characters you know, when an actor is at the end of their contract and, you know, they're going to... Consideration for the next person that will play that role is often thrown up. Oh, should we should we have a black person? You know, should we have an Asian person? Hey, maybe let's make your character female. Um, and another of these has been James Bond. You know, every every not as vehemently, but every now and again, you know, the talk of a possible female James Bond has come up. And um, there was a recent interview with Barbara Broccoli, who is the, um, you know, she's, she oversees uh, that, that character, you know, she's like, um, yeah, she's the producer, the executive producer of James Bond as a, um, as a franchise, you know, she signs off on all the major decisions and everything like that. 
And um, yeah, so in a recent interview, when asked about the possibility of Bond being female, right, I think she essentially has said what I've said about this whole process, and that is, um, Bond is male, he's a male character, he was written as a male, so, you know what, what am I doing here, sorry, uh, Bond is male, he's a male character, he was written as a male, and I think he'll probably stay as a male, and that's fine, we don't have to turn male characters into women, let's just create more female characters and make story fit those female characters. I, I, you know, I think I pretty much pulled that off, thank you very much, but yeah, you know, that is, it's right. As she says, look, let's just create more female characters and make the story fit those female characters. Like, if you want, like, there's two really good examples of a female Bond S character. Like, the first would be. Um, Tara Chase uh, She's from a, a, a series Called Queen and Country Written by Greg Rucker Now for years th- They were talking about doing a film Adaptation of this And Ellen Page was um, You know she was Attached to play Tara Chase Now the last I heard Ellen has let the role go, but they were talking about doing this as a TV series rather than a film, and to be honest, a TV series would work, I think it would be a lot better than a film, because you are able for, you know, the character to breathe and to not really cram the stories, because, you know, the stories are pretty dense, and it would it could definitely play out over eight episodes. If you did like an eight episode series, there's enough material. I believe there's like eight graphic novels, so eight key stories, and there's three three books, and then I think there's three mini series. So there is so much material. So you know, do the first graphic novel. If it's success and if it's done right, it, of course it would be a success. Boom, you've got another lot of you know. Uh, you could do what, seven seasons, seven seasons, man. So it makes it you know it makes sense. You know this would be something. This would definitely be a good look for something like Netflix or um, you know Amazon Prime. I hope Netflix because I don't have Amazon. So yeah. That's what I would say. But yeah, you've got Queen and Country, Tara Chase. Great, great character. Also, you there's a series called um, Velvet. And that was by Ed Brubaker. Um, and this series was fantastic. It was, you know, it was... Really, really good. So, sorry. It, so it's by 
Ed Brubaker um, and Sean Phillips. He did, um, you know, uh, DR on this, and um, yeah, it, it's a fan, it's a fantastic series, and it it plays off like the premise as if um, Money Penny was um you know back in uh back in business and as we've seen with the the recent lot of james bonds you know they there there is talk like you know they have talked about the fact that money penny used to be an agent so um you know in this um like this is kind of the breakdown of the first issue, and it was said, and it so it was like the world when the world's best secret agent is killed, Velvet Templeton, the personal assistant to the director of the agency, is drawn off her desk and back into the field for the first time in nearly twenty years, and is immediately caught in a web of mystery, murder, and high octane action. And yo. This was such a great series. I think it ran for like um oh how many episodes? Like I, I believe it was like fifteen fifteen issues. And it was such a fantastic series, you know. And so again, this is a strong female Bond-esque character that is just ripe for being turned into a film series or, again, a TV series. So, you know, it's just that's just two examples of a female secret agent character that you could have instead of just repurposing James Bond so yeah but you don't hear about them going all right what else is out there what else so it's very good that Barbara Broccoli has said this um you know and you and she's also talks in the same interview she also talked about you know the the fact of like people moaning about um making like toning characters down and, and and changing them for today's environment um and you know what she says you know it is it's true uh, and it makes sense so she's like people reference those early movies it was written in the 50s so there's certain things in bond's dna that probably um, it's probably not going to change But look at the way the world has changed I think Bond has come through And transformed with the times I've tried to do my part And I think particularly With the Daniel Craig films They've become much more current In terms of the way women are viewed Which which is true But, you know But the key of it is Like, look, not Everything has to be sanitised Because it would just be ridiculous 
and just false. You, you're saying, right, okay, so, you know, when when they try and make it that, they, oh, there's no racism and there's no sexism and there's nothing like that, you'd be like, but that is the world we live in. These things exist. So if you deny them from, you know, our screens, what are we saying? It was like a, a few years ago that they took all the racist words out of Huckleberry Finn and it's a bit like look think about when that book was written so by taking that stuff out you're saying that in that time in that era there was no racism let's not be silly so you know by by going and saying like, oh, we can't have this in, in this films, we can't have this in TV, we are denying that these things exist, which then means there's no conversation about that stuff. Because just because someone is racist or, or someone demeans someone on TV... Would you think you view it and go, oh, that's what I'm going to do? No. But it might make someone go, oh, you know what? That happened to me. And you'd be like, oh, shit. When did that happen? Whoa. Okay. Let's talk. You know what I mean? So it starts a conversation off. So, you know, I I was very pleased to hear these thoughts from Barbara Broccoli. And, you know, look, definitely more female characters. But just not repurpose characters, yeah? Okay. Now, look, as I said before, if you have views on this, you know, leave a comment, leave a voicemail. Have your voice heard, okay? Cool, cool. Hey, so I often, you know, come across stories and, you know, articles that I think you know what, more people should probably know about this shit, or talk about this stuff, just because, like, there's certain things that affect so many people, but we don't always talk about it, you know what I mean, like, loneliness, depression, and this is shit that can hit anyone, you know, no matter you know, what you're doing or, or or how you perceive someone um, and their life and everything. Because, you know, the way everyone lives now, it's just like, look, people put up just great moments all the time. So they're, they're kind of making out that their lives are this fantastic ride, but no one ever talks about the bullshit, you know? The amount of times I've been out and you see people like miserable, like arguing, having just having a shitty time, then someone's like, yeah, let's take a picture. So they take a picture and they've got like their mouths open, like thumbs up and all of this shit. Picture taken, then they go back to being miserable fuckers. And it's just a bit like what what was that photo? You know what I mean? Why are you trying to perpetuate this lie? 
Like, it, it, you don't have to say everything was amazing. You could be like, yo, went to the beach today. Ugh. Just wasn't in the mood, man. Was just feeling a bit shit. It's nice to be outside and all, but could have been a better day. Hearing, like, you could phrase, you could phrase it like that if you were out doing something. You know what I mean? But no one wants to do that. Everyone just wants to make out that they are living this rock star fucking life. So, you know, I, I so I saw this thing um, because the BBC have recently done the world, like they've just carried out the world's largest survey on loneliness. So I thought, you know what, Let, let's talk about this. So there are... Um, what is that? There's nine, yeah, there's nine points. So let's cover this shit, man. Because, you know, I know, like, look, everyone, you know, there's a thing that you're thinking. Because, you know, like, as it says here, like, loneliness is often temporary. Something we experience when we're going through transitions in life, such as starting college or moving to a new place. So, you know, you like it might not be forever, but it's just if you know about like things that you can do, like just these things that can help in a situation. Hey, that that's that's going to be a good thing. All right. So I'm going to go over each of these points just so that information is in the ether. You know what I mean? All right. So number one, find distracting activities or dedicate time to work, study or hobbies. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Like, it's always, you know, it's good to keep busy sometimes, you know, because it stops you ruminating on all the weird shit that might be floating around in your head. Um, yeah, and especially when, like, because, you know, you get to a point in life sometimes and all your friends have, there's those moments when everyone goes traveling or everyone starts getting married and stops going out or everyone starts getting into relationships. So stops coming out, you know, or like you might just be a bit broke so you can't do the things that all your friends are doing. So it's about, I think, finding other activities that you can do. Other things that will serve as a distraction. Like, there's so much free shit happening around. Like, you know, this is the great thing about, like, this country, man. Like, museums are free. For the most part, museums and galleries are free. So, especially in London, man. So, yeah, go go to a museum. Like, go to a gallery. Like, you know, go for a walk around one of these huge-ass parks. That's all free. All free. All of that is free. And, you know, it'd be fun. Join a book club. Like, my friend, she's in a sewing group. Yeah, there, there, there's all these different things that you can do. That, yeah, aren't going to be, like, a a huge drain on your resources, on your finances. Alright, so, two. Um, 
join a social club or take up new social activities and pastimes. Do you know that there's something that that's a good thing for for finding clubs and stuff like that? It's like meet up. So if you go to meet up, you type in, um, you know, something that you might want to do. So it might be book clubs. You type in book club and it will give you like all the book clubs in your area. So yeah, maybe like you could go to one of those. Sometimes there's like free yoga and Pilates classes, or a free martial arts class in a park somewhere, or you know, in the local church, or or something like that, which which can be decent. And you join these groups, and you can form friendships. You know, you can be like you. Yeah, you can form friendships from from these things. So, yeah, that 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 is something that might help. Three, change your thinking to make it more positive. All right, I'm gonna read what it says here. In our survey, we tested empathy levels and found that people who say they feel lonely showed higher levels of empathy for others people's social pain we also measured social skills and there's and these were just as good as everyone else's so it's not that people who feel lonely need to learn new social skills but what might help as strategies to cope with the anxiety of situations it also it's also worth remembering that loneliness is often temporary and that you won't feel like this forever. All right. Yeah, you know, it's a valid point. Um, four, start a conversation with anyone. Right, again, let's read this. It can take some nerve to start chatting to strangers, but you don't have to say anything deep. There's a reason talking about the weather is so popular in the UK. It's changeable so you can say to someone in a shop or at the bus stop, hot, cold, wet, lovely, isn't it? The idea of this isn't to build a deep friendship. It's to feel more connected to other humans. Every time we have a conversation, even if it seems inconsequential, it reminds us that we all share the same world. I think mean, it's a valid point. It's a valid point. But sometimes, I don't know, like just these random conversations. Because people aren't... There's no real connection to it. So, like... People aren't always that friendly or, you know, it's easy to snub someone, you know, that you don't know. So sometimes the, the, yeah, trying to do this sort of thing can make you feel a little dejected. So I think definitely conversations, but. Always remember that, um, yeah, you don't really know these people, and don't you know it's not really a, a anything on you 
if people don't want to talk or if they abruptly just tune you out, you know? Um, Five, talk to friends or family about your feelings. I think this is definitely a key thing. Um, As... Yeah, like your real friends, man. Like your real friends will do whatever it takes for you. You know what I mean? Like that—that's a thing. But we, I think sometimes it's easy to think, "Look, I don't want to bother people," you know. But yeah, like sometimes they're just waiting for you to actually go. Can we talk? Like, have you got, you know, a little bit of time? I just want to have a conversation. And so when you do have that conversation, it's so friggin' helpful. You know what I mean? It, it, it just kind of... Yeah, it just helps you see things a little bit differently. You know, it breaks down those barriers that might be there. Because you're thinking, like, you know, who who can help? Who is there? And they're just waiting for you to be like, look, I need you, man. And once they, you know what I mean? Once they, they know that you, you're, you're there, you're ready to talk, it's like... Boom, everything's cool. So at least you you know now that you have that that port in the storm, you know what I mean? And that yeah, they're happy to talk. And it's you're not a uh, a burden or a pain. So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a big thing I feel to um yeah, to talk to friends. Alright, so six Look for the good in every person you meet. So, um, yeah, what does it say? We found that people who feel lonely have on average lower levels of trust in others. So this solution is all about deliberately looking for the best in people in order to trust them a little bit more. If you think someone has snubbed you, ask yourself to look really hard at the evidence for whether this is true and then suggest alternative options. Maybe they were busy or tired or perhaps feeling sad or nervous themselves. It was probably nothing to do with you. So I think it's definitely a thing to um to have empathy for a situation. You know what I mean? Just so it's to under it's understanding that yeah, like you might be ready to do something, you might but someone at that precise moment, you know, might be busy, might not so it's not necessarily they're telling you fuck off. It's just like at that precise moment in time, they, they're they tied up. But, you know what I mean? Uh, at another moment, 
it's all gravy, man. It's good. They've got you, you know what I mean? So it's just, I think it's probably just remembering that. It's remembering that, you know, not every no is a no. Oh, yeah, that probably isn't, yeah, let, let, all right, <laughs> not every no is a no, 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 you, you, I, you know what I mean, man, like, look, just as I was like, I, I, you know, I could, sorry, I can't talk, it's not just, I don't want to talk, it's just, I can't talk right now, okay, that sounds, yeah, that definitely sounds better, right, good, 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 but yeah, it's just understanding that, now, don't get me wrong, there are people that, are just straight up assholes. So it is about, you know, I think balancing and, and and kind of differentiating between the two, but just always remembering that hey, not everyone's an asshole, man. It's just that odd few people, you know. So um seven. Take time to think why you feel lonely. Alright, so the people I met for the antihomony of loneliness put their loneliness down to different causes. Some were physically isolated, others experienced discrimination, some found it hard to trust people, while others didn't know where to find like-minded people. Working out why you feel lonely is the first step to working out which solution might work for you. And if one solution doesn't work, it's worth trying another. Which, yeah, is is definitely a a thing. So if you're feeling like there's no like-minded people in your area, maybe it is a case of joining a social club. Because then you're going to find more people who are into that particular thing. Which means that, yo, you've got, now got that thing in common so you can have good conversations. Which should help. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, what what are the barriers of entry? Is a question we have to ask ourselves when putting together strategies for marketing. And it works with this as well. So what is the barrier, barrier to the loneliness? Like work that out, and from there you 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 should be able to find solutions. You know. Um, eight, carry on and wait for the feeling to pass. All right. So it says we know that loneliness is often temporary. So this will work for some people. For those where it becomes chronic, other solutions might be more effective. But it's encouraging that so many people who have felt lonely found that waiting for the feeling to pass did work because it shows that many feelings of loneliness do disappear over time. Which is true. Which is true. Because look, as a thing, it's just like sometimes, you know, say if you're at school, all your friends, like you, you leave for summer holidays. Like, you might not live in the same area as your friends. So you go from seeing them every day at school to then six weeks of not having people to hang with. And yeah, you're going to feel a bit shitty. You're going to feel a bit like, oh man, what's going down? But, you know, just remembering, okay, fine. In, you know, in 
whew, don't worry, come come September, yeah, I'm gonna see all my peoples again. Like just if you if you have that you know, that date in mind, it's something you know. Or it's like you're in work, everything's shit. But you have a holiday booked. And so it's like, alright, fine, fine. In April I'm going on holiday, man, so fuck it. I can hold on until then. So yeah, I think having something to look forward to or just understanding, being like, okay, right, I feel shit, but I think it's because of, you know, this situation. So let I, you know, let me hold out for another another month to try and ride this out. And if you set yourself a goal like that, say, then come, you know, that that period of time that you've allocated. If at the end of that, you're still feeling like, you know, like you're in the weeds, then you can possibly think, okay, all right, so I'm still feeling like this. What else can I do? Or maybe I go talk to someone, you know? Um, so yeah, it at least gives you that. Alright, so nine. Invite people to do things without fearing rejection. Alright, so it says, it's good to ask people to do things with you. Everyone wants to think that other people like them and most get pleased when they're invited to do something. But try not to feel afraid of them saying no. If they say they are busy that day, they probably are. Don't assume that they're just avoiding you. Not every solution will work for everyone. But, you know, yeah, it's that thing, you know what I mean? It's just like, all, all people can do is say no, you know what I mean? But, hey, one of your friends will most likely say, yeah, fuck it, yeah, let's go to that gig, or, cool, I wanted to go to that museum too, you know what I mean? So, yeah, just ask people, man, it's it's gravy, man, like, look, yeah, the people might say no, but, of course, that doesn't mean, no, don't bother me ever again. Yeah, uh, yeah, but maybe you do come across that person, but at least now you know. So hey, fuck them. They're out of the friend group. You know what I mean? You don't need that sort of person in your life. So it helps on that front. But you can't be you can't be ruled by your doubts. I mean, so, yeah, if there's things you want to do, push, strive, and do those things, you know, but, you know, I hope that was helpful to people, but yeah, remember, look, there's definitely people you can talk to, so, you know, if you want to, um, yeah, if, if you feel you need to chat with someone, 
who isn't a friend. Maybe Google for your local mind because you can contact them. Um, you can you can have a conversation. They're there to help, and there's other groups like that. So yeah, remember that if if you're feeling low, um, you know, and you you don't have any friends in the area. And you really desperately need to talk to someone. Yeah, try someone like Mind. You know, or other groups like that. Now, go talk to your GP. Because there are people out there that will help. Okay? Stay strong, people. Hey, so, as I mentioned, man. So, you know. So started the film festival today, but yeah, it, there's been screenings for the last, uh, I don't know, like ten days. So a lot of press screenings happening. So I've been, been running, uh, running around doing that kind of craziness, uh, which has been, it's been fun. You know, what I mean, it's been good. There's been, there's been a few crazy situations, like, you know. It's about trying to keep an eye on the film, so making sure that nothing's got crazy subtitles in and that kind of thing, because just can't do so. I can't see the subtitles. So when like it's always you know when you meet people and you and you're talking and they're like, you know what I love, I love a foreign film. I you know people that just watch those Hollywood mainstream films. Ugh, I just don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, I just like to kick back with this foreign film, a glass of Chardonnay, and um, yeah, a cheese board. It's amazing. Fuck you. Yeah, you condescending motherfucker. Some people just can't see subtitles. That's why we don't do them. But I I went along to a screening. I you know I checked, so there was no indication of subs. Sat down. And it was friggin' subtitled all the way, but the screen was so dark I couldn't see to leave, and I was just, I had to sit there for the whole time. Luckily, it was about an hour and a half, but I'm sitting there just like, uh, <laughs> I want to go, I want to leave. But uh, yeah, but generally, like, everything has been good, and. I've I'd say there was only one film other than the subtitled one. Only one film that I was a bit like hmm, this isn't very good. Everything else, yeah, I pretty much enjoyed. Pretty much enjoyed. And there have been some great films as well. So um you know that's been good. But out in the midst of all of that, I found time to go see a film for this podcast, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, yo, we're gonna do the special podcast, but we still gotta give the people what they want in the main pod. So, people, this one's for you, you know what I mean? So, remember that K Money gives the people what they want, alright? Enjoy. Well, the big film in the cinemas right now is Venom. 
and um, this is basically Sony, their attempt at making their own small Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure people have seen, like, all the talk of late. There was um, the Silver the silver Sable, um, the Black Cat film, that then was kind of, you, the word came out that it's been split into two separate films. There's the Morbius Vampire film, Craven Hunter film. So there's all the, these kind of Spider-Man spin-off type of films that Sony are planning. And it seems that Venom is the thing to um, kick-start this mini, mini little universe, as it were. Um, yeah, like the... Synopsis really is just when Eddie Brock acquires the power of a symbiote, he will have to release his alter ego Venom to save his life. And yeah, I think that really does sum up the film because it's a bit lackluster. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's not very punchy. It's not that enticing for you to come and check this film out. It's just a bit like, yeah, you know, this is it. What do you think? Do you wanna do you wanna give it a go? Yeah. Well, you know, do what you wanna do. But um, I say the film is 112 minutes, so just under two hours. You do kind of feel it. I think that's the that's the thing. You do really feel the runtime of this film, which is an odd one. It's an odd one. Like, I think the film seems to take a long time to really get going, to kind of jump off the page, as it were, for you. Because, you know, it it starts off with a big bang, really. But that isn't... It's not really enough to get you that excited. Like, you think it is. Like, there's a little reference to um, Jane Jonah Jameson's son. So, you're like, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're dropping little Easter eggs. But, yeah, that was it. So, you get this... And then there's a little time jump. And then the story's going. And you're just a bit like, okay, alright. And we're given this relationship between um, 
Tom Hardy's character, Eddie Brock, and Michelle Williams' character, Anne Weeing. And it's... I wasn't sold on them as a couple. It just didn't... Like, you're seeing them together. There's a scene of them in bed together. But you're just like... The chemistry between them... It's just a bit wet. It's... You know, you're, 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 I didn't think that you're sold that they're a couple, that they're this great couple. You, It's just a bit like, meh. You know, so I think when the, the, the certain things happen, it's, it doesn't really have that impact. It's just like, all right. But the thing that does happen, it's so convenient, you know? It's just a bit like, really? Really? Is that what you're going to do? This is how you're, you're, you're trying to, you know, give me this stuff on Eddie. You, you, you know, because... The thing about Eddie Brock, the character, when you see like because people have seen the Spider-Man films, like the the the, the uh, Tobey Maguire one, uh, like the Andrew Andrew Garfield one, and Eddie Brock in those films is an asshole. He's a he's a cocky. He's a bully. You know. He loves himself. He's this. He's very brash. That doesn't, they, it doesn't really come off. They don't build it enough. Yeah, all, all you get is, oh, he's going to do an interview. Oh, he goes rogue on the interview. Ooh, crazy Eddie Brock. Whoa, watch out, people. Watch out. Crazy Eddie's in the house. So you have this. Then he does a little something w- within his relationship, and then w- then it's like six months later, and it's like, oh, okay, six months later. And the weird thing is, like, people see him and like, oh, Eddie, you look terrible, and he's like, well, doesn't really look any different from how he did at the beginning of the film. Oh, I tell a lie. They've given him stubble. That's it. They've given him stubble. And now that, that that's the thing. That's the line that depicts that you're down on your luck, is it? It's just a bit like, come on. You, you Please try harder. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't gel. That's the thing. It's just like... It takes forever to get going, and what we have in the in this time period, while it's trying to jumpstart itself, is just this wet squid of a story. It's very just 
non-consequential. You know, like I, you just don't really care about it. Like the one kind of saving grace of the beginning is probably Rizaman's character, Colton Drake, because he's very quiet. But it's a bit, hmm, um, should we watch out for this guy? You know what I mean? It's a bit like, hey, everyone, I'm a great guy, listen to me, yeah. And you're just like, oh, a bit, a bit slimy, a bit slimy, a bit, hmm. And, and he really kind of, I think... He does convey that character well. So that was the... I think the the thing that held that beginning of the film together. Then you have like... As the story goes on, you have these other moments. And it's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make any sense. Like there's a doctor that gets in touch with Eddie... And it's a bit like, but why? Like, why would she trust Eddie? You know, doesn't make any sense. Like, just because he went rogue on an interview, like, really, is that the the one thing that made that happen? It's just, it's very, very tenuous, you know? It's, it's like, like they're not really fleshing anything out. So when these things happen, you're just left a bit like, yeah, I guess, but a bit of a stretch, right? No, bit of a stretch. And then when they're telling the story, you know, you're given these, these things like there's a big like motorbike chase. Which makes no sense. Because one minute you're saying a venom that like the symbiote in Eddie is like making sure that he doesn't crash and have any accidents. And, you know, it's the eyes in the back of his head, as it were. But then you end it with Eddie crashing the bike. And it's like, wait, what? How can he crash the bike? If all the way through this, the symbiote has been stopping him from crashing the bike. So what is it? Is the symbiote helping him or the symbiote not helping him? Because you're really confusing the hell out of me right here. But, you know, like, as the film goes on... There's these moments of him and the symbiote forming a relationship, as it were. But like with everything else, it's very tenuous. They, you know, they they they've not really shown how this happens, like when this happens. It's just like, hey, you convinced me not to do it, but but when? What when? Because you know we don't really see anything 
that he's done that would do this? So when exactly did this happen? You know, like when did Eddie convince you to have a second thought on these things? Like, can you explain that to us? You know, the the mere viewer <laughs> trying to follow this weird, weird story. Is there is there anything you wanna, you know, give to us here? Hmm. It's it's just yeah, it's an odd one because there's normal people trying to stop Eddie. And you're like, look, he's got a symbiote. How how are these normal people going to be any sort of threat? So it just seemed a bit like, okay, so it's just cannon fodder. You know? I don't, like, why am I, how am I caring about these people when you know, basically, they have no chance against him? And, and, like... I don't know, there's, there's all this talk about footage being cut from this film. So it would be a bit, you know, uh, uh, a PG-13 as it is in America. Like, um, yeah, I'm, I, I believe in the UK it's a 12? I think it's a 12. Yeah, I can't, um, I don't remember seeing it, uh, as anything else, but, um, yeah, you, you, you're looking at it and you're thinking, alright, what have they, what have they cut, sorry, it's a 15 in the UK, okay, 15 in the UK, but, um, yeah, because there's things and you think, right, what, you know, a, a lot seems to have been cut because you, you're saying that this is a, um, you know, it, it's like meant to be a, an action horror thriller. There's not really any horror. Like there's this, I guess there's one moment in a foggy room. But other than that, yeah, it just doesn't work on that level, you know, and I don't know if it's just me, but the effect of Venom, when you actually see the full Venom, it just looks a bit shoddy, you know, when we've seen, like, the Hulk, like, the Hulk in, um, for Ragnarok, or... You know, the Hulk and Thanos in Infinity Stones. Just great effects. Really good work. And you think, alright, so why does Venom look so shoddy then? Right, when you know there's the capacity... To create, like, great things. It was a bit like, you see Venom and you're just a bit like, Ah, okay. Yeah. Definitely could be better. And at the end, it's very confusing. Because they've got Venom against Riot. 
and they look so similar. It's a bit like, well, like you couldn't make one a significantly, a significantly different color. Like you couldn't even do that. Like help us out a bit, please. But I, I think it's yeah. That I think that's the problem all the way through. It just seems corners have been cut. Like the story's been cut because there seems so many holes in it. Like it's just all a bit limp, and especially the ending. The ending was just a bit like, oh really? That's it. Okay, like, I guess probably one of the best bits might be the end of credit scene, but that's only if you you're a comic book fan, really. If if you if you're a, a Spider Man fan, you you've read all those old comics, then you'll re, you'll enjoy the very end. You'll enjoy that cut scene, but other than that it's just it doesn't pack the punch you wish it could have especially after how good Spider-Man Homecoming was you know you, you, you'd you hope that other things that are in the Spider-Man universe would be just as fun just as good so it's very disappointing that this this is the film we're given. You know, it's made a lot of money, so you know a sequel will be coming. And I guess the the thing you, you can hope for is that you know this hasn't been announced yet, but this sequel that it, it's just better than. What we're given here. Because. Yeah. If it's not. Shame on them. That's all I can say. Shame on them. But you know. Halloween's coming up. So if you want. A. Yeah. A a supposed horror. Comic book film. To view around that time. I guess this is for you. You know. If if you're a fan of the first two Fantastic Four films. Then I would say you would probably enjoy this. You know. If you like the last. The, the third Blade film. The third X-Man film. You will probably... Enjoy, yeah, you'll probably enjoy this. It's possibly better than Suicide Squad, but I guess that's not really saying a lot. But yeah, I, I yeah, I guess that's your you, you know your your frame to go by. You know, if you're a fan of any of those things, any of those films, then I would say. This will probably be your cup of tea. If you didn't like any of those, 
yeah, steer clear of this one. But, you know, Venom, it will be showing in all major cinemas around the country. So, yeah. Do with that what you will, people. This week's book was um, a, an, the, the latest book from David Nichols. Uh, David Nichols, he wrote the, uh, the, the book One Day that, you know, it was adapted as a film. It's been translated into a load of different languages and, you know, it won numerous awards. Um, I think it was up for the Man Booker Prize. And this new one called Us, I think that also was nominated for the Man Booker. So, um, yeah, you know, I think the general consensus is David Nichols can write. Um, so this new one, it's not as long as One Day. And, um, you know... The breakdown of the book is this. Douglas Peterson's family is on the brink of disillusion. His marriage of 21 years to Connie is almost over. When autumn comes around, their son Albie will leave for college. Connie has decided to leave soon after. But before everything falls apart, there's still the summer holiday to get through a grand tour of Europe's major cities and over the course of the journey Douglas devises a plan to win back the love of his wife and repair his troubled relationship with his son um so yeah that's the basic kind of breakdown of the book and you know, I, I I probably have to say that, I don't know, I have a weird relationship with David Nichols' writings because, you know, I, I, I really like the idea of the stories. I really, you know, you can emphasize for the situations but an issue I have is there's not really a grey area like a lot of the time the the characters that he has are you know I think to the oomph degree of that person you know, those traits, it's not just someone who's, like, they, their, their views kind could differ on things, it's like, they're all one way, and that's it, and I'm just like, you know, I can understand what you're doing, but it's not always as straightforward as that, so that was kind of, you know, the issues I had, I guess with one day and it you know it it's kind of the same with this here 
Yeah, because you're talking about like a marriage falling apart. And so it's something that I guess everyone thinks about, you know, maybe not a marriage falling apart, but, a re- you know, relationships that have, you know, uh, gone in that way. You know, we, we've been in, no. I think everyone's been in those situations. When you're in something, you think it is going in one way, and then all of a sudden, like, the the floor comes out beneath you. And you're just like, wait, what? what's happening? Or you think you know someone, and then you, you realise, oh, this person isn't who I thought they were. Damn, what's, what's going on here? And, you know, I, I think, uh, like, the issue is, it's just like, look, you can go through, and it's never one moment... It's always a build-up of things, a build-up of situations. And everyone has played a part, you know. Like, you you may not be as complicit, but you can definitely think, okay, maybe, you know, I should have realized that that was a sign of things i i should have realized that this was that and when you read this this book here it's the characters are so far apart that it's very difficult to Really see it from the other's point of view because you're like, Well, obviously, this character was in the wrong with that situation, but the but the thing is, it's like, Are they really gonna be like this? Are they really gonna? Act like that, you know. Is 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 this it? Because you, it's just a constant, or you know, it's a constant case of um, Douglas trying to make amends for things he does. But the, a lot of the lead up to that, you're just like. Oh, I know where this is going. This is just too. This is too predictable. This is too by the numbers, you know. And and there's never a point where like Douglas will go. Wait, why are you both doing this? Like, what is your end game here? What do you really expect to happen? In this scenario, like it's never that. It's always they like you know Connie and Albie will do something and then just you know mock him, mock him, mock him, mock him, and then he'll 
get irritated, say something, and then it's just like there was, someone will storm off, and then it's just like, oh, Douglas, you're such an neurotic. He's like, oh yes, I realize, I realize, I've been a buffoon. I I need to, oh yes, I should apologize, and oh, and it's just like, ugh, ugh, I hate this character. I hate this spineless character. He's driving me insane. And yeah, that, that I think that's the big issue because, like, also he he you know it's talking about love a lot. You know, I I think he he he's always just like, oh, you know, I've always loved Connie. You know, she's always been. But then he talks about it like. You know, I always felt like I was never good enough for her. I always felt that, you know, she's looking at other people. I always felt like... And he'd be like, that's not love then. You know what I mean? Because, look, if you love someone... I don't give a fuck if they're talking to other people of the opposite sex. Because you trust that person... So there's no, you know, there's no envy, there's no doubt on that front because you love them, you trust them. So you're just like, well, obviously they're not going to cheat with every person they talk to. But in this, it's it's that weird kind of possessive um, love. That isn't true love, you know what I mean, and that's what that is, and so it's just like, well, the nature on how your your this relationship has been built, right? What what else is gonna happen here? You know, where else was this gonna go? And that was the thing; it was all only shown really in that perspective. Like at the very very end of the book, um, Nichols tries to kind of show it slightly from the other point of view, but it's just you know too little, too late, really, because you've just had you know chapter upon chapter of one thing, so then you're just like, eh. Like, it doesn't matter anymore, man. Like, why Why would I care now, you know? And, and yeah, that, that's kind of the... That's the kind of thing with it. It's just... A bit of a diatribe of one thing. Like... It's not a terrible book. That's the thing. As well, it's not this like horrible, terrible thing, but it's just very one-sided. So, a lot of people want to say that it's epic, it's intimate, it's funny. It's not really. It's not really an epic thing. It's just. It's, you know what I mean, because it's just like, they're going travelling, and like, the mistakes that happen on the travelling, like, you know, the wrong hotels are booked, and things like that, and it's a bit like, 
would they re would that really be a thing because you're saying this character this guy this um douglas is very finickety you know what i mean so you'd imagine that he would be scrutinizing over reviews he'd be you know what i mean like double checking everything so you can't really see some of these things happening so the only reason they've happened is for you then to write the fallout of that situation which is just ugh, i don't know i don't know like maybe i'm cynical i but you know it just feels that this was you know just written in a way just so you can you know basically just try and show this one-sided situation that you want to show and the very end of the book you see it coming you know it's going to come especially when there's an incident that happens and you're just like well obviously after that you're not gonna then do this but obviously a bit later on it's eventually going to happen you know what I mean you can it's just easy to see how all of this is playing out it's signposted all the way it's not <laughs> there's no cleverness in the story it's just very predictable which is a shame you know because the writing itself isn't horrible it's just the situations that he's chosen to create it's the predictability of the story itself so it's just a bit like it could have been so much better could have been so much better but for me this is very similar to one day so if you were a fan of one day this yo this is you this you you're going to love this book you know is is it, it, yeah it, it's got those similar vibes it's written in that similar um like context so yeah you will definitely love this book but uh, unfortunately i did not but you know it's called us um it's from whole story audiobooks if you um you know if you wanted to do the audio book of it um yeah but yeah you know It's or it's Hoda and Stoughton, if you're just reading like the printed, um, the printed version, the printed version. So uh, yeah, that is this week's book review. Okay, so I think you know we're coming to the end of another week's podcast but i thought i'd end with some 
you know, like film and TV news that just I've just spotted. So uh, the Rock himself, Dwayne Johnson, is um, he's signed up for a new Netflix project called John Henry and the Statesman. Um, so supposedly, um, you know, it sees John Henry leading an ensemble cast of the most popular figures from folklore and legend from all around the world. So I'm not quite sure how this is going to be, but hey, a lot of the things to rock in are just damn fun, so, you know, obviously going to give it a look when it comes out. It's directed by um Jake Kazdan, who um most recently worked with The Rock on uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. So, uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, and sticking with Netflix, they just announced the full cast to their upcoming The Witcher TV series. Now, a lot of people know The Witcher from a whole gang of popular computer games, but it was also a really popular book series. Uh, so earlier in the year, Netflix signed a deal and got the rights. Um, you know, so uh, Schmidt Hisrick is the executive producer and showrunner for the first season, which should be coming out in 2020. And it's um, reported to be eight episodes. So the cast as we know it right now is Henry Cavill, who will be playing Geralt of Rivia. Um, and then you have Freya Allen as Ciri, the princess of Sintra. Anya Kalotra as the sorcerer Yennefer. Jodie May as Queen Calamphi. Mimi Nidwini as fledgling sorceress Fringrilla. And Sabrina as Farika Wilson Reed. Um, also, Millie Brad. Brad. Millie Brady as outcast Princess Renfrey. Adam Levy as the druid Muasaka. Um, Bjorn Huna Hazeldun. As Queen Calamphi's husband, the Knight East, and Miana Buring as Tissia, head of the Magical Academy. I think I handled those pronunciations pretty well. Um, so yeah, you know, this is, I'm hoping it's as good as, um, as the books, which are all available on Audible right now. <laughs> um, as Venom has just come out, 
you know, um, you've got, uh, you know, Sony now talking about the other films that they're hoping to make in the series. So, Avi Arad and Matt Tolmac have been doing a lot of press, and in a recent interview, they, you know, they've um been talking about how the um the project is they're hoping to start filming in February next year um with Daniel Espinosa as um you know directing it and Burke Sharpless and Matt Sazama have written the script and um yeah, they're saying Jared Leto has a definitely signed on to um yeah to do this, you know. And like Venom, it's probably gonna be um you know it's not gonna be a, an eighteen or anything like that. So yeah, so we have that. But ain't the biggest bit of news I'm gonna uh, end with. Reports are that James Gunn, James Gunn of the Guardians of the Galaxy fame, he's in talks with Warner Brothers to direct the sequel to um, Suicide Squad. And not only direct, but to write it as well. So, I mean, um, it's a pretty smart move, man. Do you know what I mean? He's not working at Disney anymore. It's not, you know, so DC needs serious help with their universe. So why not get Gunn, who has made two very successful films and helped with um, some of the other films at Marvel? You know, so, uh, yeah, that could be very interesting. And word is that it's not going to probably going to be a direct sequel to... Um, the original Suicide Squad and there's a good likelihood that there's going to be a brand new lot of characters in this one so yeah, could be interesting, but um, you know, when we get more on that we will talk about it right here in the podcast but until then people you know what I mean enjoy your week Remember, book up tickets, go catch some of these great films that will now be showing in the film festival, and just do other fun shit, you know what I mean? And we will catch up again next Wednesday. Alright, so stay good, have fun, peace!